If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. All right, welcome Fallon Lopez and Michelle Renee to the Nurse Wellness Podcast. These two was on last month, and like I said, you'll be hearing more from them. Today, they are here to talk about the changes in the CDC guidelines pertaining to the quarantine of healthcare providers. Um, This is something that came out a few weeks ago, I believe, right, ladies? January the 3rd, I think, or something like that. Yeah, so this is something I think we, you know, felt passionate about to to talk about it and bring to the podcast, and we would love to get your take on um, the new guidelines. As we all know, what has been in the news is the CDC changing the guidelines for the general public. So quarantine for five days and then wear a mask for another five days if you test positive for COVID-19. However, I don't hear people talking about the changes that were made for healthcare providers. And that's what really caught caught my attention where they're saying we quarantine for seven days, but if there's a staffing shortage, our employer can shorten the amount of time that we are quarantining as healthcare professionals. And that just speaks to, you know, the nursing shortage crisis that, you know, we've been talking about on this podcast. So uh, Fallon and Michelle, would love to just get your take on or your thoughts on, on the new guidelines. I you know, I was off a week that early week in January and I came back into all of this. Um, Like I was telling you earlier, Wendy, you know, I took in some time off in the first week of January and then the holidays were kind of slow for me. So working in um, the antibody infusion clinics, they were, you know, it was, it wasn't slow, but it was like ramping up. I could tell things were changing. They had that new monoclonal antibody and when I left, you know, out of sight, out of mind, I get back, there's all these changes, the CDC guidelines, and then, um, like you said, the even the, the five-day quarantine. And then the article that you sent, or that we were reading earlier, was even saying in some states, like California and things like that, that if you don't have symptoms, that you don't even have to quarantine, you can just work. And I was so shocked about that. Um, right now, I'm giving... Uh, 
medicine to immunocompromised patients that could, that don't have the titers to the COVID vaccines. And, you know, it just, it just, it just blows my mind. Like if it's not happening in Texas here where I'm at yet, but because there isn't such a shortage just yet, but according to that, and we should add that uh, journal or that article later for people to read um, in the show notes, but if there's a shortage that the people that are um, COVID positive, they, even if, if they don't have symptoms, they can still work and take care of patients. But the crazy thing is like, they could take care of COVID patients. So it's just like all of this like gray area and it just seems so confusing. And it seems so like, like where, who's going to protect us? Like, I honestly feel like that. And I'm like, who is going to stand up for us? Who is going to say like, y'all, this is, this is not enough. And I think a few people have a few nursing organizations have said like, like the ANA, right? They said they don't, they are not enforcing this or they don't support this. These yeah, they don't agree. They don't agree with it. They, they actually wrote a statement, which was really nice, but I think it's important, um, you know, for us as nurses and healthcare professionals in general to stay up on that. So they wrote the letter, now what, right? So now what's mm-hmm. going to happen after that? Um, how are they following up? So I think that's, it's our responsibility too, to kind of be plugged in and engage for um, an organization like ANA who's supporting this. And, and I just want to, you know, really quick read exactly what the CDC guidelines say, because I don't want to start making stuff up. Uh, but it says here, and I'll put this in the show notes, healthcare workers with COVID-19 who are asymptomatic can return to work after seven days with a negative test. And that isolation time can be cut further if there are staffing shortages. Healthcare workers who have received all recommended COVID-19 vaccine doses, including a booster, do not need to quarantine at home following high risk exposure. So that's what it's saying. That's, 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 I want to say it's a bit unsettling. I think the fact that they mentioned staffing shortages, (laughs) that's what really got my attention. Michelle, what's your take on this? So, you know, I read the article that Wendy sent and I had, I read, I went back and read the ANA's statement and a couple of things came to my mind immediately. When you don't feel well, you don't give the best care, right? So we're compromising care in that way. Second of all, the thing um, that Fallon said about what about our immunocompromised patients? Who's protecting them if we're infectious ourselves? And then the third thing that like really, so as nurses, right? If you're not bleeding, you're fine. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And so if we have that mentality and we feel bad because we always feel bad about something. So we feel bad because we know that work is short. And we come in knowing we don't feel well, but we deny in our heads the symptoms or we deny that we're not 100% because we don't want our coworkers to be short staffed. That puts everybody at risk. And if you're still contagious and yes, you're supposed to wear an N95 mask, but everybody knows you take the mask down, you have to eat, you have to drink. That's like saying, put your N95 mask on and don't take it off the whole time because you're actively shedding virus, right? Don't take it off the whole time to eat or drink. And I just want to say like, so, okay, yes, 
the guidelines say if you don't have symptoms, you know, you can come back to work after seven days. I, I saw in the article five days, but I'm glad you you clarified that, Wendy, for sure. I'm sorry. It, it's five days for the general public, but specifically mm-hmm. for healthcare professionals, it's seven. Oh, they gave us two days. They gave us two extra days. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But like I said, like if you're asymptomatic and you come back to work, um, and yes, you have your boosters. My nurse brain is like, well, you can does that mean you cannot give it to anybody? Like, just because you're asymptomatic, does that mean you have no chance? Absolutely. Of like, like, like Michelle was saying, if you eat or drink, or if you just like scratch your nose or that you have no chance of giving it to anyone else. Like, is that like proven facts? Is that like what we know? Or is that like, they're just basing it off of whatever? I don't know. Their statistics. Like to me, I'm like, we don't know how everybody is going to react to you know, if we, if we do, if we are contagious or they're saying we're not contagious, right? I think things are just continuing, continuously evolving. And I feel like the general public and even us healthcare professionals, we're not evolving with it. So the whole change in the guidelines, we woke up one morning and it was just a change. And my issue is that they were saying there's research on it. One, Mm -hmm. where's the research? Where's the reference so we can actually see it? And two, I don't know about you all, but I didn't hear them working on this type of research (laughs) to cut down the quarantine time. So it just seemed like all of a sudden. And then it's saying, you know, I I know, you know, the nursing shortage specifically, but I think it's just all healthcare professionals. It's a problem, but we also don't want to compromise safety. And Mm -hmm. from everything that I saw, I listened to Dr. Fauci um, very closely. And, you know, he's not saying that you can't, um, you know, transmit COVID-19 when when you're asymptomatic. Um, So you can still transmit. And that's the thing. No one really knows. It's new. So we should be more cautious, I think. Um, And I think about my my cancer patients, right? Because that's that's the realm I'm in. I, I take care of cancer patients. Even for me, I was sick. Uh, for a few days and I'm scheduled to work, but I'm like, well, I don't want to go in because I don't want to give a cancer patient COVID or, or anything I have. Right. But you know, with that population, you just want to be very, very careful. So. I think that's what we need to do. Like being more on the cautious side, but I understand, like you said, the nursing shortage, like I understand that. But at the same time, like, do we have to go down with the with the boat sinking as well? Do we have to? It goes back to that, you know, that nurse, you know, like martyrism. I feel like, like, do we have to go down? Like, or does it make it, do, does it make us a bad person if we say like, hey, like, you know, can we, do we, are we at risk of losing our jobs? Are we at risk of just like looking like a bad nurse? I don't know. These are my thoughts. What are your thoughts on nurses being fired and walk literally walked out of the building because they're not vaccinated? What are your thoughts on that? That's a little controversial, but I, I would love to know your thoughts. I'll, I'll tell you mine while, while you're thinking. I'll let Michelle go on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, for, for me, I feel like the slap in the face for our colleagues, because these are the nurses who put their lives, their family lives on the line right? When COVID first hit, they, they were, they were in the hospital, right? Taking care of people. They weren't vaccinated. They didn't know what the hell COVID-19 was. They know it was deadly and they're taking care of people with it who are dying. Right. And, and then here we come, we have a vaccine, which is great science. Thank God we, we have the ability to, to have vaccines. 
Um, but then it becomes their, their choice, right? It's, it's choice. But then to say, if you don't, then you lose your livelihood. Mm-hmm. I think I understand that, yes, we want people to be vaccinated. I, I get that. I'm, I'm, I'm pro-vaccine, by the way, just FYI. But it's not the the what, it's the how, I think. Mm-hmm. It's the how. And I, I don't I don't agree with how it was done, that nurses lost their livelihood, especially since we're in the middle of a, um, a nursing shortage crisis. But it's the how. So it's really a slap in the face to those nurses who were literally walked out of their institutions because they did not want to get vaccinated. I think we need to explore the why. Right. And let's try to fill that gap. Let's have some compassion, some understanding uh, for for these employees who put their lives on the line. So that that's my personal uh, take on it. But I would love to to hear yours if you want to share. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we don't we don't get those that space. Like you said, we came back to work and then or like it was just the next day. The CDC guidelines just changed like and we had to abide by them like. And I was talking to my boss, I'm just going to get personal, like, you know, and we were having a conversation about, I was shocked. I was like, oh, wow, there's a conversation going on here, you know, and it's not like just black and white. And I feel like we need more of those conversations, leaving that space, giving that space to ask questions like, hey, is what we're doing, is this all going to help? Is this, you know, giving us a some time to to have our brain of our own. Yes, we believe in science. Yes, we work in healthcare and we want the best for everybody. We don't want everybody to suffer. You know, we want to do the best and protect everyone, but can we have some room to ask questions, to, you know, do our own research? I, I had to as well with the vaccines because of course in my in my local circles, I was hearing chatter here and here and there. So um, at that time I had, you know, I was given or I had the opportunity to do my research. And I feel like we need to have, we need to allow that space for all of us. Like we're humans. Come on. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, very controversial and, I, and, and something that I think of quite often, right? So I am for people making choices um, that are right for them. And I don't think that, um, companies should have the, you know, overall say of what you do with your body. I find it interesting in the recent events of the CDC changing the guidelines that you can go to work um, infectious, basically, with an N95 mask on, but we didn't give that grace to people who didn't want to get vaccinated. Um, I feel like there was things that we could have done to say, okay, you don't want to get vaccinated. That's your choice, but these are the rules that you're going to have to live by in order to keep your job. And I think, or even open up that conversation, right? So that they had choices. And some people, you know, they didn't say they would never get the vaccine. They said they wanted to see what happened. Mm -hmm. And the thing is changing so much and so rapidly that why wouldn't we give them the grace. And then on the other side, it feels like, well, okay, so now all these nurses that have gotten the vaccine and the booster are being punished because they have to get right back to work because your institution decided, right, to get rid of nurses, to fire nurses because they didn't fit what you wanted. Mm -hmm. So I think 
the conversation, like this should even open up a bigger conversation. Okay, where do we go from here? And who do we call up? Like, who are they calling up? You lost some pretty good nurses. You know, there's definitely room for bigger conversation here and to look at it from both sides um, and see what compromise, life is about compromise and see what compromises can be made. Yeah, and and I was taken back a little bit when I was having a conversation with a teacher who was saying, you know, she's not vaccinated. A lot of people in her building's not vaccinated, but they were testing, right? So they had frequent testing where I don't believe we had that option. A lot of places was you need to be vaccinated or else, right? There was no, no middle ground. It's black or white. Um, but, you know, even on social media, you see nurses recording themselves being escorted out. It was so disheartening to see that. Mm-hmm. So disheartening. But th- there's always another way. Um, so I think that that's that, that's my thing. And, and, you know, I understand, you know, public health and, and all of that, but we've never been here before. So we definitely need to show compassion, especially to the people who are caring <laughs> for society, right? Healthcare workers. So um, that, that was really sad to see. And, you know, I just thought of that with the change in the CDC guidelines because um, they actually, you know, made a separate um, section for healthcare workers and, you know, your quarantine, even though you're testing negative, but you were positive, but they need you to come in, in in two days and they have the authority to do that. So again, taking away that control just to fill the gap, which but I, they I, may you know. have already caused by firing nurses or getting rid of nurses that didn't get the vaccine yeah. in the first place. Yeah. And I know we're talking about nurses, but it was all healthcare professionals too. Cause yeah. I saw even some doctors recording themselves being escorted out. And that was just... It was terrible. Yeah. It was it was really terrible to see to witness that. So um, another thought that I just had was we are so focused on getting back to normal, mm-hmm. right? We're so focused on things being how they were, instead of using this opportunity to where can we do better? What can we change? Because if it opens up. The broader question, yes, it might be a little more work initially, but if it opens up the broader question of why are we losing healthcare workers? Why why are we, because before even COVID happened, we were seeing a drain in our healthcare workers. We were seeing burnout or compassion uh, fatigue, whatever, whichever term works best for you. We were seeing it right before COVID. And then COVID just put a, a magnifying glass on the situation. And I don't see us coming to the table with a conversation about what can we do better and how do we fix the overall problem? We keep putting band-aids and the band-aids are not even holding up the flood that's happening. It's not working. I'm laughing because the other day I was, um, I was on a Roland Martin on a filter and I used an analogy. My husband's like, why did you say that? I said, it's like putting a bandaid over an open fire hole. <laughs> That's a nurse brain for you. Like it's going to be a firestorm, y'all. It's a firestorm for sure. He said, what? I get you, Wendy. I get you. 
So when you said that, Michelle, it made me think. I got to go watch that one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So even on that show, I was talking about the uh, travel nurses of, you know, how we're using them and that's causing um, issues too within, um, you know, our profession where travel nurses can make, what is it? A half a million dollars, about a half a million dollars a year. So I think I saw like a quote where they're making, you know, four to 5,000 a week, or even as high as like almost $10,000 a week, which, you know, averages out if my math is correct, even though on road, it was not correct, uh, to a half a million a, a year. So opposed to, you know, working with a nurse who um, works for a facility, you know, making what, 94, 100 or, or whatever, thousand a year or 70,000 a year. Um, so, so that's also, um, a way they're trying to mitigate the shortage, but it's causing issues. And, and even, you know, I was reading some articles with even travel nurses, despite making that much money, they're still experiencing the same thing, the stress, the burnout, the exhaustion. So, um, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't always make it all better. No, no, nope, not at all. Well, ladies, we will have to have a part two of this conversation because um, I want to continue this. I want to bring light to it. And again, for all of you listening, please plug into your um, your nurses association, see what they're doing, what initiatives they have that you can get involved in to, to really move this, um, move this forward because the ANA put it out there in the public. So our local chapters should be doing something with this. So it'll be interested to know, I'll be interested to know what your chapter is doing in relation to the change in the CDC guidelines. So with that, thank you, ladies, and you will be back very soon. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a free mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.